Welcome to Across the Margin Podcast. I am your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin Podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. They have some new podcasts coming your way. They look fun and fascinating. Learn all about those at OsirisPod.com. In today's episode, I feature an interview with singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, author, and artist, Michael Gira. Michael is the founder of the band Swans, in which he sings and plays guitar. He is also the founder of Young God Records and previously fronted Angels of Light. The focus of this episode is on Swan's latest release, a terrific album entitled The Beggar. To take a quick walk down Swan's memory lane, Michael Girard founded the groundbreaking NYC band Swans in 1982. Initially notorious for the relentless, brutal, high-volume onslaughts of sound, the extreme abject imagery of Girard's lyrics and his thunderous vocals, Swans would undergo a series of startling transformation over the next 15 years. Following the punishing filth in cop albums, the ensemble would venture into harshly mechanical proto-industrial rock of their greed period. Then, the haunted, atmospheric, and martial stomps of 1987's landmark Children of God double album. They'd conjure gentler acoustic-based meditations on the burning world in 1989. Then, after relocating to Atlanta, came the grand, melodic, dense sonic whirlwinds of White Light from the Mouth of Infinity in 1991 and Love of Life in 1993, before becoming more dissonant and sharp-edged with The Great Annihilator in 1994. Finally came the ultimate statement of that period of swans with Soundtracks for the Blind in 1996, which incorporated all these elements across well over two hours of music. At this point, Michael called it quits after 15 years of non-stop recording and touring, disbanding the group. For the next 13 years, he'd make a long series of acclaimed albums and perform live extensively with a revolving roster of musicians under the name Angels of Light. Michael also discovered, produced, and released albums by other musicians through his label, Young God Records. In 2010, he reactivated Swans, releasing the studio album, My Father Will Guide Me, Up a Rope to the Sky, to ecstatic critical response and touring the world for better part of the year. The Seer, an excellent triple album studio set, came out in 2012 and was celebrated by another lengthy world tour, eliciting more media praise and album sales that landed The Seer on Billboard's Top 200. Swans' next release, to be kind, another triple vinyl, debuted at number 36 on Billboard's Top 200 sales chart and number 5 on their independent sales chart. The album garnered enormous praise from the press, and the two-hour-long album stream was premiered by NPR. The Glowing Man in 2017, another triple vinyl, was the last studio release by this incarnation of Swans. With 2019's Leaving Meaning, the 15th studio album, Michael returned to working with a fluid supporting cast of musicians once again. And just recently, Swans have brought to life The Beggar, a sprawling, sonically dizzying, and thought-provoking work of art that showcases the extreme abilities of a legendary frontman and band that somehow still sounds at the height of their talents. In this episode, Michael and I discuss the themes of bounding in The Beggar and the influence of Argentine author Jorge Luis Borges 
had on the album. He gives a hat tip to the talented instrumentalists that were part of the project while exploring how birthing the beggar during the pandemic affected the entirely captivating work of art. We dig into the ins and outs of the 44-minute track on the album entitled The Beggar Lover 3, where, remarkably in the episode, Michael reads a section of poetry found within the all-encompassing journey of a track. We talk about what to expect from the upcoming tour, how Jim Morrison has inspired Michael throughout his life, and a whole lot more. It was an extreme honor to talk to Michael, and it's a fascinating album to explore and dig into, so I have no doubt you will enjoy this interview with Michael Draw. Podcast. Hey, thank you so much. I uh, I appreciate your time. I've I've appreciated your work uh, for for many many years, and it's 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 great to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to talk about this new album. It's really it's really really something else. Um, you ready to get right into it? Yes, sir. Excellent. So, um, just to kind of start a little bit generally in the uh, in the parasite, it's um kind of this haunting intro where the narrator is lost in thought kind of uh, speaking. I wonder what you are. I wonder where I am. I wonder if the water is swallowing the land, all this like vivid imagery and deep probing starts to happen. I was wondering if you can tell us, um, you know, uh, a little bit about the story you were setting up with this intro and maybe kind of what's the the story that you're telling in this album generally. Well, you know, normally I don't, I try not to, um, uh, describe my words too much or to give me i prefer people to find out yeah and just think about it themselves because that's one of the um big uh benefits of art and music and writing is the effort that's applied to gleaning meaning from something mm-hmm. but um i will say that uh i don't give a fuck so <laughs> yeah. the uh yeah the impetus for this song, aside from the fact that I was just strumming some chords and needed some words, Got it. was thinking about uh, the cell phone in front of my face. And it seemed to me to parallel this great uh, Georges-Louis Borges story, The Aleph. Hmm. Borges is probably my favorite writer that's ever lived. Oh, wow. uh, and in this story... There's this orb, this blue orb that the protagonist discovers in a basement. And it's this uh, sort of portal that contains everything that ever was, is, or will be. And not only that, everything that could have been, it extrapolates into infinity, essentially, into infinite possibility. And looking at the cell phone, I was struck with wonder at how it's a very similar thing. And it's starting to change humanity mm-hmm. rapidly, actually. Um, you know, digital culture, digital information is, yeah. is starting to really 
have an anthropomorphic uh, effect on uh, everybody. And it seems to me that we're on the cusp of entering this. Uh, it's almost like the uh, the scene in 2001 where they're racing into space, you know, and there's just these this uh, onslaught of imagery as you enter the infinite. And um, that's sort of where it comes from, is that minor kind of vision. And it just set me to thinking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is a it's kind of a wild time to be alive as you you know watch uh, humanity as a whole and people individually kind of get a, get their head around uh, living with technology, living with so much in the palm of your hand. Sometimes it's uh, too much for us. Um, well, it's changing our minds is the main thing. Sure, it's it's. it's I have this this sort of uh, fantasy, I guess, that there's this uh, cabal of beings that exist just outside the sky just on the other side of the sky that are sort of pulling us into their into their uh the, into their world and and we're just we're just going to be dissipating into the series of ones and zeros and cease to exist as individuals yeah it, it, it makes 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 sense to me what we're seeing that's um and i i couldn't appreciate more the 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 allowing the uh, listener to take some of these lyrics that are so, like I said, so vivid and, and, and thought provoking and kind of let them be their own in certain ways. But thank you for kind of giving us, giving us well, a the, taste. The reason, I, the reason I'm doing that in this case yeah. is because people so, or as I don't know about people, but people I read in the music press about, about me, the way they interpret the words is usually so hackneyed and, and um, yeah. wrong utterly wrong it's like they give it no thought whatsoever and they just assume i'm this morose guy you know yep yep singing about death or something but uh so i just wanted to give an uh, insight into the source of that song yeah yeah and i mean i i get in some ways how they can also in that that um opening intro there are the lines am i ready to die am i ready to die is there really a mind uh, is there really a mind well, that's on that's on the next song the next song yes yeah that leads into uh the yes the if the parasite into paradise is mine let me ask you about that kind of a uh, um you know because the slow build of the parasite you know into paradise is mine where the latter really starts coming to a boil uh, is like this deliberate building that i find super intoxicating i i love it um i was wondering if you could talk about how the album was constructed sonically um i heard someone uh or i read i believe someone describe it as often building to a cacophony of quiet noise, which I love. Um, and the whole thing kind of meshes together as this one piece of art. Um, I would just love love to hear you talk about how, how it was built together sonically. Well, I mean, it's through, intuition is everything. Yep. And um, a sense of uh, wanting to reach a certain high place with the music. Mm -hmm. But uh, it began as always, with just my acoustic guitar sitting in my room. Yep. And I'm thinking about um, other musicians, the people with whom I'm going to work. And um, then once we start working, we just play the basic riff for a while. And um, I hear things. And um, I guess I guide people towards a certain trajectory. Mm. But often, it's not even necessary. Because I mean, I know these people very well. So they're great musicians and so we play it and uh, we just 
play it over and over and over and finally until it stops being uh reciting a song you know and it has to take on another level to reach something else and it starts growing and so we rehe- we rec- we rec- uh, rehearsed this in a giant uh concrete cubicle with this amazing reverb and it was really wonderful to be inside that sound when we played these songs mm-hmm. in the rehearsal space mm-hmm. so we were just tranced out and played it and then came up with some ideas for uh how to build it at a certain point when this so-called chorus comes in yep. and just did it through intuition um there's some uh to me interesting sections there's this uh this bass line, it might sound like a guitar, but it's the one that kind of goes do, 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 that one. Mm-hmm. That, that was just Chris Pravdika. Um, we had a recording, a basic recording, and we were sitting there between takes, and um, he was just noodling on his bass. And I said, whoa, Chris, what's that? He says, what? I'm just messing around. <laughs> and I said, no, no, let's let's play, let's do that, let's play that. And so he played that all throughout the song. And then Larry heard that, Larry Mullins, who's... Uh, plays keyboard and drums and lots of other things on this record. Uh, is also a great uh, kind of idiosyncratic singer, sang this falsetto along with it. And to me, that kind of makes the thread that goes through the song. And then, I don't know, it just kind of built gradually through intuition. There's lots of background vocals on there, which you hear. Yeah. Um, and Dana Schechter does a really great kind of Walt Disney-like slide guitar in there. Yeah. Kind of, you know, thing, I think... Uh, that adds a nice notion. And Phil uh, played this, I was called an exotic instrument. I don't even know what the hell it's called. This wind instrument, which added another uh, texture at the end. And uh, that's that's how it goes. It's largely yeah. just through building slowly and thinking about it and thinking where it needs to go. It kind of, using the material kind of tells me and us where it needs to go on its own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a... Uh... It's interesting you mentioned that about the 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 um, you know bass and guitar kind of not being sure. There's often times where I'm listening to it when I'm I'm like, you know, it it's not to sound banal, but I'm I'm like, what is that instrument? What is that sound? It's it's I mean it's amazing, but um, I mean there is there's so much, you know, uh, instruments and instrumentalists that are part of the project. And you mentioned Chris and Larry. I think it'd be fun to hear about some of the other people or, or just kind of give a nod. Well, ben Ben Frost who. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if he he's a uh, known for his uh, electronic music. Yeah, uh, and he does soundtrack work. He does the soundtrack for this series called Dark, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's a great kind of thinker and uh, sound maker and musician. He's also a great guitarist. So I had him play guitar on this song, um, "Paradise Is Mine." And surprisingly, he came up with this part, which sort of reminds me of somehow it sounds like something like funky New Orleans music or something. It's uh, It comes in, I don't know, about two or three minutes uh-huh. as um, really a great little guitar part. And um, I don't know if he played any synths on that song. I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, Christoph, of course, is ever present with his uh, kind of droning lap steel and mm-hmm. uh I don't know. That's about all I got to say on that. Phil's drums are great. That's absolutely. It's it's just every every everyone's bringing something really special to the table. Um, the title song, "The Beggar," um, at its heaviest, kind of ask, "When will I finally get to live?" And I can't help thinking, especially knowing when um when you kind of brought this to life, 
um, that it's kind of like a nod to the pandemic. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm reaching, but I was wondering, um, knowing the album was written during lockdown, can you tell us how uh, that period of time, that unique period of time kind of uh, inspired the beggar? Well, I mean, I would steer clear of doing something with such a grandiose subject. Because uh-huh. um, I'm just a tiny little uh, microbe on Earth. You and me but, both. Um, I, um, I suppose I was thinking about um kind of uh self-imposed limitations and um abjection failure and just being like a bug on someone's shoe Mm. (laughs) and said no more i'm not going to accept that and i was driving in my car somewhere and i heard this dylan song from I, i don't remember which one it was but from the tempest uh-huh. And um, I love Bob Dylan, not always, of course, but I, I yeah. just his never ending torrent of words is just so impressive and beautiful and just comes from another planet. Hmm. I heard that song in the car and I just was like, oh, my God. And um, so I went home and I, I wrote The Beggar. Um, nothing to do with Dylan or with his style of writing or his music or anything, but I thought I just need to write words. I need to write words i can do this i need to do it and the subject matter just had to do with i guess being in this ultimate state of abjection and saying no more it's the only thing that limits you is yourself and you know and you're just exploring the implications of that way of thinking i love that i love that um you mentioned dylan and the tempest kind of uh you know inspiring you in some some way here i could not help think of uh Jim Morrison a couple times on the album, specifically in the closing track, uh, The Memorias. I was curious if you were drawing any uh, 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 inspiration from from him or any other musicians besides Dylan. Or, and you already mentioned uh, literature inspiring you. I was wondering if you could speak on well, any yeah, um, other inspirations. Well, that that song is, is a complicated lyrically, but um, uh-huh. as far as Jim Morrison goes, I mean, I'm, I'll come back to the song. But um, Yep, no worries. I mean, he's always in me. I mean, I mean, when I was, I'm quite old, as you might know. Um, mm-hmm. I started taking LSD and a lot of different drugs. I think when I was 12, uh-huh. and I, I had, I didn't really have a childhood. But anyway, I um I read about that. Yeah, I uh, spent a great deal of time listening to The Doors on acid. <laughs> yep. yep. And I mean, I remember the first time. I think the first time I heard. The album of the doors the first one where i was a uh, sniffing gas gasoline and, and i was on acid with my friend in my friend's garage mm-hmm. and it was like um i don't know a voice from the wilderness like a brother's voice yeah yeah and um his voice has stuck with me um ever since so i would love to be able to sing as good as jim morrison but i don't think that's possible um there's a uh acapella version of uh the crystal ship online that you should check out love that uh it's i don't know someone got in the studio and or got the original tapes and just released the vocals Mm -hmm. and uh it's absolutely astoundingly beautiful it's just incredible as far as i'm concerned 
But um, so anyway, he's, he's always there with me. But the answer to the question regarding uh -huh. the song is no, I was not thinking of Jim Morrison. Okay. Um, in fact, uh, it's another uh, Borges uh, influenced uh, piece of writing. Um, there is a uh, Borges short story called uh, Funes the Memorias, and the short story is about this fellow riding on the Pampas in Argentina, and he falls off his horse and hits his head on a rock. You know, suddenly uh, he can remember everything, and he doesn't just remember everything; he remembers every single detail about everything. Mm -hmm. He remembers his thoughts at the time he was looking at a branch waving in the wind. 20 years ago, he remembers the veins in the leaf. He remembers a bird going by. He remembers every single thing. And um, he's bedridden. And uh, he, of course, goes insane and I think kills himself. I don't remember. Yeah. But uh, I am the exact opposite. I remember nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I am a I am a reel of tape on auto erase. <laughs> and... Um, so I wrote this song thinking about various events in my young life and just described them visually and then was thinking about uh, memory and uh, passing and things of that nature. And I, I wrote this, This I, I guess it's, what is it? It's like a, a little vignette. It's not really a yeah. song. Yeah. And um, Perfect description. So that's the story of how that came about. Yeah. So there's um there's a, a 44 minute journey of a track on the album one I could uh, enjoy a kind of a, a album on its own in the uh, the beggar lover three um I think you answered what I'm about to ask when you said earlier that you don't give a fuck but I was always curious if if you know even this far into your career if you have reservations of putting a track this long on the album what's the thought process in going to that um I mean I just wanted to make something good if people can take it or leave it that's their business that's what it is right yeah I mean the main thing is figuring out how to uh how, what medium it should be in because yeah. uh we can't afford to do a uh I know triple albums anymore yep. and triple LPs that is um, and it would have been actually I'm not sure let's see would have fit yeah it would have taken up a whole another LP yeah. and also would have broken up we'd had to cut it in the mid middle yeah it couldn't be um, so I decided to keep it digital and people who bought the LP can download it and you can um, listen to it on a second disc number two of a CD but um, I can love it how this track came about was um this the recording of the album and mixing and everything was a very long process and um so i listened to the songs quite a bit some in mixed form and some half mixed and i was really getting sick of my voice <laughs> i thought uh i had to i had to give some space from it and um so i made this instrumental uh -huh. and um, how this went about it's inspired or i guess it's a continuation of this uh, thing I did in the nineties, uh, late nineties, as Swans was dissolving in, in, at that point, mm -hmm. called uh, "The Body Lovers." I don't know if you ever heard of that track, that I, album. I, I, no, but it's it's similar to soundtracks for the blind in the way of working. It it takes uh, the it takes a disparate source material, um, 
some of it pre-recorded, some from other records, mm. some individual tracks from other records, newly recorded items, uh, narrations, found sounds, home recordings, huh. uh, a whole slew of different um, seemingly unrelated musical uh, elements. And I put them together. And after much tortuous work with uh, Ingo Krauss, this great engineer, we yeah. crafted this the trajectory of this long piece. And then having finally accomplished uh, how it basically goes, then we started overdubbing on that mm -hmm. and messing with it and made this this long thing. I don't know what you call it. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's coupled with my desire to make these experiential kind of soundtracks without a film. Mm -hmm. um, it's just something that I enjoy, that I, I want a, a place where people can lose themselves and where I can lose myself more specifically. Yeah. And so I, I make these things. That um, certainly works. You, you, asked, you asked about the... Um, the narration in there, didn't you? Yeah, well, I did. I, I was. I, I don't know if you read my. I was the the first section of poetry draws me in. I find that so beautiful. I was I was curious about you know where that's from or who that was. That it's, was. It's a. Um, it's from my uh, book, The Knot. It's. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you call it a short story. It's a vignette. I think it would be too generous to call my writing short stories even, but. Um, that I I could read it to you in, in its full length without taking too much time, but it um I can love that. Thank you, but it um it was this sort of I was talking earlier about this vision I had of this these unseen forces kind of puppeteering us, and it stems from a uh, something that I uh, experienced while driving in New York City, stuck in traffic, and I just I suddenly was just out of body, and I, so I wrote as best I could, uh, this way of elliptically kind of describing that sensation. And it goes, the first part is is on the record, but anyway, it goes, it infuses everything. I see it everywhere and I feel it in me. Slowly it's taking me over and eventually I'll be completely transformed, diffused in the earth or incinerated, vaporized. It's in the food I eat, in the air I breathe. It's in the people I love and they frighten me. I can see it, a black shadow shimmering just beneath their skin. Despite my love for them, there's nothing I can do for them, nor is there anything they could do for themselves. It's slowly encroaching, relentless. Its appetite is endless, all-consuming, and will never be filled. Yesterday, I had a terrible but somehow calming epiphany. I was sitting in my car, stuck in traffic in New York City. The wind lifted random bits of paper and dust from the street that danced and swirled as if tethered to invisible threads, guided by an unseen force, something sentient and deliberate. The people that crossed the street in front of my idling car were guided by this force, or entity, too, and it was inside them, moving them along, just as it's inside me, controlling me. The thoughts in our heads were its thoughts, thinking us. The music playing on the radio revealed itself to be the song and the thoughts of this force, too. Each micro-instant of sound was a deliberate signal it was sending. Each crackle of static in the speakers 
was a cipher I was somehow meant to unravel, but it's hopeless. It's there, just out of reach, behind the screen. It's calling. It's calling. It's in these words, and it's flowed through human history from the very first spoken word until now. And it's, and it's woven us and our thoughts into an unfathomable and in as we think its thoughts electrically, and it's killing us, eating us, an unfolding wave of chaos and pain that will never end. So that's that. Thank you. That's that's uh, you know what, just um, I know you mentioned that that people can falsely interpret these things, but when I get lost in that, I couldn't help thinking about the kind of current state of the environment. I know I'm bringing my own fears to the table and stuff like that, but I mean I. I was I was drawn into this this thought of 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 what could wholly be swallowing the earth in a different way. I don't know. It's amazing where that that type of uh, poetry can take someone. That that was awesome. Thank you sure. for doing that right there. That was sure, great. No problem. Um, I mean, I'm just I'm just dumbfounded by existence. Basically, I right? have no idea what's going on, who I am, what my thoughts mean, if my yep. thoughts are real, if if I'm real right now speaking yeah. to you. Absolutely. I'm completely dumbfounded by the fact that I exist it's i mean it's what there's a line from a neutral milk hotel album I, I can't believe we are anything at all that i think about a lot like it just doesn't doesn't make sense to me it's really really wild that's a it's a healthy way to think about things i mean yeah. then everything is taken as it comes on its own merits hopefully yeah yeah exactly exactly um kind of bring us home a little bit thank you for doing it that was awesome right there kind of got oh, great. but um I'm curious how how uh, you know the tours about you know I know it's coming through Brooklyn I can't wait to see 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 you guys but uh, I'm curious how the the you guys are performing this work live because to to me I see it as such a cohesive work of art uh, both in story and in sonics I'm wondering how much of the um, the beggar you're, I'm gifted of when you when I do see this. Uh, this show live um you know and how much of uh how much you'll be reaching back into the catalog what can we expect from uh the shows we got upcoming well um it's totally different okay um, it's different from the previous iteration of swans and it's different uh -huh. than the record um uh, we're all sitting down with the exception of dana who's standing in the back and uh chris who's standing sort of in the back too um Otherwise, everyone's sitting down like an ensemble, I guess. Yeah. And um, started out when we started rehearsing, it was going to be more like an uh, art song ensemble, making relatively modestly amplified sound. But of course, just the way things go, it's it's now kind of huge and loud. <laughs> oh, but uh, fantastic! I can't help it. I just love it. So <laughs> just I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be completely deaf by the time I'm dead, but. <laughs> oh, but I am playing acoustic guitar in the middle, and you know, Christoph is playing lap steel and loops. Dana's playing lap steel, loops, and bass, and uh, uh, Larry Mullins is playing uh, keyboards, mellotron, and some a few drums. Mm -hmm. And Phil Paleo is playing drums, and uh, Chris Pravdik is playing bass, and also. Uh, loops and different sounds and so it's it's kind of a, a really full sound but um it's we started out for instance with the beggar we started trying to 
play that song roughly how it was on the record. And it just rang false, as it always does. As soon as I try to do, I or the people I'm working with, try to do something that harks back to something that's existed before, it just seems, I don't know, bloodless. So we started fucking with it. And that song, The Beggar, is uh, now, I don't know, it's like 30 minutes long on the on the, in the live performance it Tremendous. starts yeah. with a very long uh intro that crescendos and then it goes into that basic groove you hear on the record but with nothing but my acoustic guitar and then gradually big swells of sound around me and it just becomes a kind of i don't know cosmic exorcism um and it's it sounds pretty good as, as far as i can tell um and you know we do a few other songs from the record and then a few songs from uh leaving meaning mm, uh, but i would say that they all really have taken a, a large step away from where they began as in recorded form mm-hmm. and that's what i always do and i'm hoping now that as these this tour progresses we just did one leg and it wasn't too long um yeah. that the songs keep transmuting and providing more possibility and lead to other songs Usually things occur within the music and I'll hear something and I'll say, ah, and then we'll kind of pursue that. And before you know it, it's branched off and becomes something else entirely. So I'm hoping that's how it'll work. I have no doubt these songs are taking on life, lives of their own as, as they get performed and everything is done. Uh, kind of hoping Michael is done is in the mix. That song really, really gets me. I love that song. Oh, but, thanks. Um, uh, I, I, I couldn't see doing that live, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. That, um, that makes sense. Kind of thinking about it, 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 it's you know how it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I like that. So I like that recording. I, I can't really listen to the record. It just when, once I've worked on a record, I've worked on it so much that it's uh-huh. really difficult to hear it as music anymore. I just hear it as a sort of transcription of failure. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't. Uh, I can't really get transported by it, which is the uh-huh. initial impetus. Yeah, but I'm relatively sanguine about that one. Yep. Uh, well, it's an honor to talk to you. To be honest, um, I, I like I said, I've been a fan for a long time. If you knew how often I've listened to the Seer, you'd probably think I'm a maniac. It's just <laughs> there's a lot that's, of you. Well, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. I mean, I'm yeah. glad that it has some meaning for you. It really means something to me. It really does. And the beggars. I mean, not only have I dove diving into it uh, incredibly, just to talk to you about it and try to <laughs> try to get my head around it but it's i mean it continues to grow on me i can't wait to see it live and it was it was just a thrill to be able to talk to you about it here today so thank you so much for taking the time thank you michael i really appreciate it
His words are burnt meat to muscle and red. Now my coat will cloak every raft in His mold. To speak is to choke, to live is to come. When the other has come, then my code is done, 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 is done.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.